0: Luke chapter 15, uh, we'll begin reading verse 17. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare, and I've perished with hunger? I'll arise, go to my father. I'll say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven before thee. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But when he, was, he had a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran, him, he felt his neck, and he kissed him. And the son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. I want to preach This morning, on the subject, why is there no forgiveness? I think when you preach on the subject of forgiveness, there's always going to be misunderstandings, one way or the other. I want to be careful that uh, we clearly understand God's word, God's principles. We do understand the context of these parables here in this chapter the lost sheep, the lost corn, and the lost son that Christ is addressing the Pharisees. Verse 1 says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. How many of you are thankful for that today? Amen. The love of the Lord Jesus Christ, the depths of His forgiveness. And here's what he was addressing. We know the Pharisees were very religious, but they were not even saved. They did not understand that salvation was not through a work. It's not obtained through a lifetime of good works, but rather received as a gift. And thank God for the words of the Lord Jesus Christ here at Calvary. Father, forgive them. How we understand that forgiveness was offered to everyone? It was placed on the table. It's just not received by everyone or enjoyed by everyone. You know what happened? It was there. Some of you received that grace and forgiveness it, as a young child. Others as a teenager. Some at 40, 50. We've seen some get saved at 75, 80, 85 years of age, rejecting. Not that they didn't understand. They understood, but through the hardness of their hearts, rejected a free gift of salvation and forgiveness of every sin because either of pride, thinking, uh, I don't need it, I don't want it, I don't care about it, or saying, uh, I'm not accepting a gift, I'm going to earn my way into heaven. But at some point if you're saved and sitting here this morning you understand that you came to the realization that you were condemned to an eternal hell because of your sin. Right. The only way to heaven was through forgiveness. How I we mean, understand that. I don't want to belabor the point this morning. But I'm certainly grateful. And I don't care if you were raised in church and you feel like God forgave less when he forgave you. You are extremely wrong. Because in every single case, it's a life of daily sin. Different sin, but daily sin. And God's forgiven your past, your present, and your future if you come with a repentant heart. And I can't emphasize enough repentance this morning. But Ephesians 1, seven says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of what? Thank God. Thank God, knowing who we are, what we would be, he forgave us. Now, let me say this. There's no one on the planet that can forgive like God does. God forgives all sins. You say, Pastor, I, you know, as a Christian, I'm willing to forgive all sins. You say that. But there are sins that people can commit and might commit and in some cases will commit, you won't forgive. Regrettably, we all have limits. And whether that's in marriage or with a friend or a parent or a boss, everyone in here would look back in their life if they're honest and say, someone crossed that line. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to live angry, but in your heart, you know, You've never truly forgiven that sin. There are lines in life. How many really thankful that God says any man, anywhere, anytime with any sin comes and repents. He can be forgiven. That's God. That's not you. Let, let me repeat that. I don't, want, I don't want confusion this morning because I've... I've heard scores of messages over the course of my life on forgiveness. And I want to be very biblical this morning. Amen. But there are misconceptions. Right. You are not God. That's right. we, he is our pattern. That is the, the desire. How many understand that it's salvation? You are forgiven and redeemed and sanctified and justified. Mm-hmm. But that's God's business of doing those things. How many think you're, you're actually in the business of redeeming, justifying, sanctifying? If you think you're in that business, you're in the wrong business, you better get out of business. Thankfully, his forgiveness means no more memory of sin. Hebrews eight twelve 12 says, there's sin and iniquities I'll remember no more. Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, and he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Someone that knows everything. From eternity past, eternity future, has chosen through the forgiveness of sins to blot out and forget every sin. We sing the song, what sins you're talking about. God literally has chosen to forget our sins. Now look to your left. If that's your wife or your husband or your child, guess what? There's a lot of what you've done that they still remember. And they love you, and they live with you, and they have forgiven you. But they've never forgotten. They've forgotten part of it. They've forgotten much of it. They've forgotten some of the details. Can we be honest this morning? I, I think we're on shaky ground because we're just being honest about forgiveness this morning. And sometimes we're not honest enough in our pulpits. Now... Here's what you have. We've got to understand the basis of forgiveness before we can understand what is taking place in this parable and so much that can be learned. God in his forgiveness, he forgives all sins. He doesn't remember our iniquity. He justifies the sinner. Romans 5.1 says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified. The simplest definition that's often repeated is just if I had never sinned, I am justified in God's eyes. Right. Yeah. Amen. But man's not capable of doing that. Right. Absolutely. You cannot justify. That's not your job. That's not your position. That's not even a Bible command. That's, right. that's what God does with the repentant sinner. Yeah. Okay. So when we look at someone else and expect their forgiveness to be equal to God's forgiveness that they forgive all sins without any memory of my offense and justify me as the sinner you're going to be in serious spiritual trouble if those are your expectations for someone else in the business of forgiveness Take, can we start with this basis as we look at this story? So when God is dealing with the Pharisees and their lack of forgiveness, you've got to understand he's not expecting man to forgive Is he forgives in the sense of that eternal divine forgiveness that comes at salvation. But was he, what he was expecting of the other Pharisees, he's given stories to talk about the joy in the recovery of that which was lost, and when there's truly a repentance center and let me say something about repentance repentance is not invisible. It doesn't take the FBI to detect repentance. How many are you smart enough in your own kids to recognize repentance? How many you smart enough to recognize the lack of repentance? So when you deal with things, they're either repentant or they're not. And you determine what you'll overlook and what you're going to deal with. But we all can look back on our childhood at times when we were corrected or disciplined. And to end the discipline, we lied. Right? I'm so sorry. How many ever said those words and your heart was saying, I'm really not? <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm being corrected, but I'm not sorry about what I've done. No, very few of you raised your hand, but I guarantee you everyone in here is guilty. At some point, we've all participated in that lie to facilitate uh, the process of restoration or at least the end of correction. And here's what he's telling these Pharisees. You ought to be rejoicing when a lost sinner comes to a place of repentance and is forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you cannot rejoice in a, in a lost sinner, I don't care who it is. Yeah. If it's a lawyer or a liar, a prostitute or a prince... It doesn't. We like to elevate testimonies. You need to be thankful for the church kid that gets saved, and for the drug addict that gets saved, and the drunk that gets saved, and the deacon that gets saved. It doesn't matter who it is that comes to repentance. We ought to rejoice that there's one less person headed for hell, one more person with their name written in the book of life, and that ought to make us all happy. How many of you get? Excited when you hear about someone that put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're here this morning, you say, I don't want to respond because someone's going to uh, look down on me if I walk out." No, to the contrary. Everyone here will rejoice with you because most here have gone through the same moment, the same understanding, yeah. conviction, repentance, and the decision to respond. But here's what we're talking about. We move now to the forgiveness, man's forgiveness. And I talk, spoke to you for just a moment about God's forgiveness, divine forgiveness. Let's talk now about man's forgiveness. Talk, talk about the offender and the offended. Now, go with me to Luke 17. Once again, let's lay the foundational principle. Luke 17, verse 3 Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Now, how do you understand that forgiveness is more on my part as the offended to help me whether or not the offender ever repents? I want to lay forgiveness on the table, but I don't want that to prejudice my life. I am 52 years old. Some of you are much older than I. I'm not trying to rub it in, just stating facts. <laughs> You've had to forgive people over the course of your life. Now, some offended you, they didn't know it. Others thought they offended you, and you didn't know it. <laughs> but others offended you on purpose, and you were hurt. And so each case is very unique. But here's my preference in life. I don't want to find myself in the condition of the offended. I'm a pastor. I've got to lead people. I'm supposed to lead by example. So for me, the best case scenario is simply not whether you try on purpose or not is to not be offended. I have people come. To apologize to me for offenses, nine times out of ten, I don't know what they're talking about. And I don't want to know what they're talking about. Because I didn't get offended. I didn't think twice about it because I want to condition myself not to be offended. It's just simpler not to be offended than to have to turn around and be forgiving. Right? So simply to a better, it's better just to simply avoid the offense. But... When we're talking about someone who offends you and it creates a, a moment of extreme tension or problem or conflict in the home or in life or at work or in friendships, whatever that case may be. Here's what God says the solution is. Go to them. Talk about the offense. If they repent, you are spiritually obligated to forgive them. Now, Second thing, if they do not repent, now if you look at this context in the other Gospels, I think this is primarily speaking in a church context, but it also has personal application, right? Now let me ask you this. You say, okay, pastor, in marriage, that person offended me, so I'm going to go talk to them about the offense. I don't think they repented, so biblically, I'm not going to forgive them. You are an idiot. (laughs) Okay, can you guys help me out this morning? We're talking about the subject of offense in ways preachers won't cover. And I don't need misunderstandings. But we need to be very practical, logical, and biblical. Okay? I have addressed things in people, and then I had to make a choice. Do I forgive them or not? And here's what I don't want to do. More than anything for my own sake, I forgive because to not forgive is to be changed, chained to the offender for as long as I harbor the ill feeling. So guess what? I don't want to wake up tomorrow with you on my mind. That's good. That's good. I don't want to wake up next week with you on my mind. So forgiving the offense helps me out because I get rid of you. And that's what I want to do. You offended me. I don't want to think about you for five seconds. When you understand these principles it will help you out, instead of looking at me confused, we look at me saying, amen, hallelujah. Pastor's trying to help me. So I... Have to confront as a father, as a leader, as a pastor. There are a lot of things I don't want to confront, but I have no choice. Holy Ghost obligation, pastoral responsibility, duty as a father. Uh, Things can't be overlooked. and I've got to deal with them. I want to deal with them properly biblically. But in a church setting, there are times when I've dealt with people and they did not repent. They may have said, I'm sorry, but they did not repent. Now, at that point, I've got to make a decision what happens if they have a position in the church or responsibility in the church? Because a lack of repentance will determine how far they can continue. Sure. Right? right? So, to, mostly a lack of repentance is a disqualifying factor, especially in leadership, depending on the sin. Right. Okay. Those are things we don't want to cover this morning, but there needs to be a basic understanding. But here's what I can do. Whether or not they repent, here's what I need to do. Remove them from any mental space. I've got too many obligations and a life to live. And happiness is part of my priority. Not just joy, but happiness. And if you're taking from my happiness, I'm forgiving you to get rid of you out of this space in this head. And some of you are miserable. And you wake up every week, if not every day, continually thinking about that person and the hurt they caused. You're not causing them damage. You're causing yourself damage. You say, Pastor, they haven't repented. Listen, move on. Live your life. Forgive them does not mean you're facilitating their sin. You're saying, I want to facilitate my happiness. That's just a really good choice. Now, go back with me to Luke 15. His son goes out into the world. He wasted his substance with riotous living. Words of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the cables are reconnected when he comes to the lowest point. When he has sinned to such a manner, there is no physical salvation for his poor decisions. He's just living out every day the consequences of every sin that he has committed now for a period of months or possibly years. And when he reached the bottom, now let me just tell you something about sin. Sin has no bottom. Okay, When you think it does, you realize it doesn't. But the bottom, for those that get saved or returned, the bottom is repentance. So you can bottom out, amen, to a bottomless pit. When you repent, Cable's reconnected, and you turn to God. That's what he did. When he came to himself, verse 17, here's repentance. He says, okay, I'm going back to the Father. Now, here's what repentance is. Repentance starts you and God. Honesty, humility, transparency, saying, i got to make this right with God first and foremost. So he's going to make things right with the father. He doesn't ask the father to come to him. Yes. And he doesn't take the hogs back to the farm. He leaves the slop. He leaves the mess. He leaves the hogs. Yeah. He gets up and says, I got to go back where I left. and yeah. Confess to the father, make things right. Now, here's what the father done. Let me ask you this. Did the father forgive him that day of his return? No, the father had already said, son, I forgive you. Forgiveness, it's out there. He wasn't holding on to forgiveness saying, come and get it, come and get it. He said, son, you're forgiven, but it doesn't do you any good until you repent and come back. So there are people who say, you haven't forgiven? Oh, no, forgiveness on the table. You say, what about the people out there in the world? No, God's forgiveness is out on the table. It's there. But it can't be enjoyed until there's repentance. So forgiveness is offered to all. It's just not received by all. I remember the day you received forgiveness? Because the cables connected you say, okay, I need forgiveness. I'm going to cry out and ask for forgiveness. And he forgave you. You rejoiced in that forgiveness. Now, it doesn't mean the Father wasn't forgiving before that day. It just means you weren't receptive to the forgiveness that was offered. So, once again, remember this. We must separate. God's forgiveness is different. And let me say, when we talk about the father, we can talk about the heavenly father. And we understand the correlations here in this story and the meaning of this parable. But there's also an earthly meaning. And the most forgiving people on the planet are usually the parents. And parents, do not expect anyone else to forgive as you forgive your children. If I came over to your house, sat at your table, and did what your one-year-old does at your table, you would never forgive me. If I flipped oatmeal around, turned the bowl over, told you I didn't like your food, at least spit it out, flipped a spoon onto your rug... You would stand up and say, Pastor, I've had enough. Get out of here. But that child can do that for weeks and months, and you video it. <laughs> and you post it. And you talk about how cute it is. And the stains are there is proof that that demon lives in your house. But because he is your DNA, forgiven. No repentance. You know how much you've forgiven the lives of your children. They never repented of. There's no attempted forgiveness. You didn't even demand forgiveness. You rushed ahead and said, you don't have to. I love you. (laughs) You better love your mama. Because there ain't no one that's going to forgive you on this planet like your mama. But the problem is, you think everyone else deserves to forgive you the way mom and dad forgive you. Ain't happening. (laughs) Mm -mm. Not even a percentage of that will you ever fill with anyone else. Are are we understanding the basics here? So when it comes to forgiveness, be careful because we as parents start to demand that others forgive our children as we forgive our children. It's impossible. Not going to happen. It's called false expectations. So parents say, uh, I want you to forgive your brother. I forgive you. That was hard felt. Didn't, didn't you see the forgiveness dripping off his face? You've seen that. The difference is you weren't truly offended. That person was. That's a sibling, not a parent. Yes, sir. So here's what we have in a home. A parent who's ready to forgive and desires for that son to come back. And that daddy was looking out every single day and waiting and saying, I know he's coming back. I know at some point he's coming back. And I'm praying that he's coming back. And I'm going to forgive him as soon as he comes back. And that other brother is saying, why have him back? Why even bother? He doesn't own anything. He gave it all up. Messed up his life. I'd say we locked the screen door. Why even let him in the front porch? We got some new dogs. (laughs) Keep them unchained. Hopefully when he shows up, they won't recognize he has our DNA. I'd love to see that pit bull unleashed on my brother. Okay, that is the reality, human nature. And the father, the parent will always forgive more. And we talk about the affinity. Here's the problem. You expect The others that are offended to forgive the offender because you're not really offended or on the scale of offense, it's a 1.2 and for them it's an 8.9. So you ought to forgive like I forgive. You're not even bothered. What did you forgive? Come here for a minute. (laughs) Forgive that. (laughs) Why are you hopping around grabbing your shin cursing? If you're so full of forgiveness. Thank you, preacher. I know this isn't what we hear concerning forgiveness. It's just the truth. Others will struggle to find forgiveness, especially if they were the ones that were hurt. They were the ones that were wronged. So in a church setting, be careful. Because we take sides. I'm not offended. You're offended. I don't know what your problem is. Of course, because that person didn't do anything to hurt you personally. Guess what? There are a lot of people on neighboring ranches that weren't offended at all. They didn't care. Yeah, yeah. But this brother cared. Yes, he, did. he lived on the farm. When his brother left, he was stuck with all those additional duties. Right. Yeah, absolutely. The farm shrunk. He saw his dad stressed. He saw his dad every day overwhelmed by the thought of his son living out in the world. <laughs> Now, we know forgiveness is right. We know there's a parable. There's a lot of things that can be taught right here out of this one story. And here, the brother is a Pharisee. But the brother is the one that has been wronged in this as well. No, he's not the father. But yes, now, he's the owner of the farm. Okay, When daddy, two boys, divided his substance, this means he prematurely gave everyone inheritance. So at this point, older brother... Now, this, this is really part of the message. And no, I'm not in a hurry this morning for those of you that are wondering. So, when we talk about the offense here, this chapter is all about things that are lost and found. A coin is lost and found. A sheep is lost and found. A brother is lost and found. But you've got to understand, there's certain things in life that are lost and they're never found. How are we thankful that your salvation can't be lost? Amen. Because we would have lost it on the way to church. We would have lost it yesterday and Friday. Yeah, every day this week. Practically every day of our lives. We would have lost it. But you can't lose it. It makes us extremely grateful. We don't want to take advantage of that, but we are grateful that God doesn't give and take it back. But there are a lot of things in life. Now, here's what I want to talk about this morning. The sun comes back, robe, ring. You say, why would Dad do that? Did you smell the clothes that he had when he came hunting? Did you take a look at them? You need to be thankful that he gave him a new robe. Okay, It's probably going to be the only piece of jewelry he owns in his life. And the boy's been eating corn husks. Been, been living with the hogs. Okay, You can see his ribs. A party is going to be helpful. But here's what happens. That forgiveness feels good at the moment. But how does that forgiveness feel the next day? Here's what I deal with as a pastor, the misunderstandings concerning forgiveness. Because the party that is forgiveness, it's exhilarating. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Whether that's its salvation, whether that's mistakes it's made, whether that's prodigal son returning. But here's the problem. He lost his inheritance. And young people, you got to understand this. There are things you can do, decisions you can make... God has given you an incredible inheritance, being born and raised in this environment, Christian school, purity, all these things that God has given you. You can lose that one decision or a series of bad decisions. You can lose that. And here's what the offender wants to do. The offender likes to live the victim. Okay? Let me tell you something about the the offender. The offender is never the victim. Okay, this the culture that we live in our society now seeped into the church. Yes. So the judge is the bad guy, the offender. The policeman is the bad guy. The offender is the victim. Yes. Yes. No, the offender creates victims. Right. He's not the victim. So when this, this young man wakes up the next day and his brother, he's not sleeping in the house. He's sleeping in the bunkhouse with the rest of the employees. You know why? Because Daddy said let him in the house, and the older brother said, "Dad, I own the farm. He sleeps in the bunkhouse." You say, I don't like that. You don't have to like it. There are consequences. There reaction. and Daddy can't save you from every mistake. And here's the problem: when you're under eighteen, Daddy, mom, she's in the business of rescue. She thinks she's a fireman, policeman. Uber driver, and I mean to tell you, you don't need a cell phone. Telepathy, she can hear your thoughts. And when you're crying out for help, she's there. Uh-huh. And if you don't like it, she'll fix it. If someone hurts you, she'll break him. <laughs> but mama's gone. Only daddy in this house. And guess what? We're dealing with full-blown adults. And the brother owns the equipment. He Dad, you signed off. You gave each son their inheritance. One boy that just came home, he just ate his inheritance. Mm -hmm, The last bit of it. When he finished that last bite of barbecue on that last plate, done. Dad had been saving up for the ring and the rope, but he had already divided up all his inheritance. Guess what happened Big brother is angry. He didn't even eat barbecue last night. He's still seething. And those that are angry say, not only are you going to pay your consequence, I am now going to be part of your consequence. You don't want to find yourself in that spot, but you better understand there are people like that in life. And don't get angry at those that are seething. Get angry at yourself because you created this problem. You dug this hole. You initiated this situation. So so when we talk about sin, the offense, the offender, here's, what we, here's, what we, here's what's lost in the translation. There's a God of mercy and a God of forgiveness and a God of salvation. And I thank God for that and we're all here enjoying that. Yep. But to think that every man on the planet is going to be a replicate, a duplicate of God the Father. When it comes to forgiveness, we are absolutely out of our minds. So he is not the victim because... The Father always provides the repentant sinner full forgiveness. And if you're repentant, God says full pardon, forgiveness, justification, redemption. You can enjoy some of that on the earth and all of that in heaven. Why do you say some of that? Because there are others that are saying, I don't like you. I didn't like you. I won't like you. And I'll never like you. So deal with it. And we like to pretend Christianity's going to change that. It actually won't. If you haven't figured that out yet, you're in a bad spot. Now here's: I want to make sure my forgiveness is as close to God's possible. And if you're not repenting, you're not going to experience. Forgiveness anyways. But there are a lot of people truly repent. And guess what happens? There are others inside of church, outside of church, family, outside of family, that simply say, I just don't want to forgive. Well, guess what? Had you not made those decisions, had you not taken that path, you wouldn't find yourself in this spot. So stop whining. So, here's what happens. He lost his inheritance. He lost a lot of money. Young people, you better figure this out. Stupidity and sin will cost you a lot of money. Divorce will cost you a lot of money. Acting like an idiot in that vehicle is going to cost you a lot of money. Stupid financial decision cost you a lot in the future. And he's looking, okay, he comes back. He looks around that bunkhouse. But there he is. And there's six guys that got to wake up in the morning, and they're all snoring. They're all wearing the same clothes. And his place doesn't have the AC. It just has a fan. His doesn't smell like candles. It smells like a bunkhouse. He doesn't have a private bathroom in his room. He has the bunkhouse joint bathroom. And then at 5.30, they're awakened, sent out to the farm. He's not going to lose inheritance, lost a bunch of money, lost position. Yep. You know what happened is you're one of two sons and your dad has a lot of money. Guess what? If you just hang tight and live semi smart, you're going to end up in a good spot in about 20 years. Okay? Yep. yep. Just, I mean, you're just born into it. It's the thing, be thankful. There, there's a good way. You, you still have the possibility of ruining it. Just be stupid. <laughs> so that's what he did. Yeah, he everything going for him. And then he'd just go be stupid. So we he enjoys. He's lost and found. He's found. He's back. Ask him about the next day. And the next day. Ask him about the next month. Ask him about his next birthday. When dad said, I want to do barbecue. But your brother said, no cows for you. Sorry, son, everything I had to give you, I gave you. And your, your position, what, young people, you got to be careful because this life is facilitating, oh, so many people facilitating your life. So many people investing in you. So many possibilities. You're getting a head start in every area imaginable. Not just from character and Christian character, job opportunity, friendships, connections. I mean, Capital City is providing you, every, it's, it's increasing the skids. It's facilitating success. It's helping you have a brighter and a better future. And the only way for you to blow that is for you to blow that. Go be stupid and you mess all that up. And that's what he did. So then that, that position, well, you know, I'd like, I like to wake up as the boss. Guess what? When you're making 13 bucks an hour, it can be really hard to save up and buy another farm and become the boss again. Looks to me like your future is. Uh-huh. Heading north and facing the south side of a horse. For the rest of your life. <laughs> you did that to you. Yes, right. Can we grasp this this morning? So forgiveness was pleasant. And the party was great. But it didn't change his position on the farm. Because your poor decisions. sacrificed the position that you held. And now. Strictly restricts. The position that you'll have in the future. Because of all that you sacrificed. You gave up your purity. Can't have that back. Young people, you sacrifice that. You don't get it back. Uh, your, your mother may forgive you. Your wife won't. Not as God forgives. Well, pastor, she is forgiving me and she is totally fine. I promise you two things. She's trying to forgive you and she's not totally fine. It's so pleasant to preach on the subject of forgiveness in ways that we don't preach on it. He, he lost formative years of his life that he could never get back. Young people, some of you losing the opportunity that you're given in high school, in college, in the team around you, and all the men that are willing to invest in you, whether that's teaching you how to grill or teaching you how to fence or teaching you how to repair a car. There are so many people here. We have businessmen that every year take high schoolers and college students under their wing and every year for years, that young person costs that business money. Yep. Mm-hmm. They never earn whatever they're paid. That's right. it's true. It's true. And every year I have to talk one of our businessmen off the fence <laughs> and say, just be a little bit more patient. Take it on the chin. That's right. Unless your business is going under, hold out a couple more months. They may learn. Some point you want to get them to a point where they start actually making the company money instead of costing the company money. Young people, you you better understand. You have formative years in a church that loves you and people that surround you in a multitude that want to help you. You don't want to lose that through stupidity, and that's what he lost. Because you're going to look back at 30 and say, I could have been way further ahead had I not lost two years by being a proud ignoramus. Had I humbled myself and listened and attached myself to the right people and gotten under the right mentors, I could have been on the race car to success. But stupidity pulled the emergency brake. He lost a chance at marrying right and probably lost out on a better Christian young lady. Yep. Yes, sir. Now here's what happens, young man. When you pull this kind of foolishness, mm-hmm. don't come in for marital counseling at 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's what I determined a long time ago, and it seems pretty harsh. I tell people now, 18, 19, 20, 21. I've got a busy life between the two churches and missionaries and projects and other things. Institute, school, I can can stay possibly busy if I work hard enough. I can stay busy. So here's what I won't do. I'm not going to allow you to complicate my life. Because when provided the opportunity, you chose stupid. And now that you're paying the consequences, you want me to hold the handkerchief box. I'm not good at holding handkerchief boxes. I'm good at saying, make some good decisions so I don't have to do this. We're we're finding a way to afflict everyone this morning. (laughs) Here's what happens. This home was in turmoil. There was forgiveness. But guess what's going to happen for the prodigal? Hold on for a second. Why why are we 2,000 years later still calling him the prodigal? Didn't he come back? (laughs) Can can you imagine? Hey! Ant hasn't seen him. And and they all come together for family reunion. And say, where's the prodigal, my darling prodigal? He's like, can someone please just call me Johnny? That's right. That's right. (laughs) My name is not the prodigal. He's 58 years old. Class reunion. And here comes in one of his buddies. Hey, the prodigal! Bring it in, bro! How's your brother treating you? You still in the bunkhouse? No way, Joe! Man! i help you out. You need a loan, I'll give you some cash to, you know... Build something on the side of the bunkhouse. It's your own bathroom, man. You say, those people aren't forgiving. No, they, they are forgiving. Life's not forgiving. He lost some good friends. Couldn't get that back. You know, not have junk people. You make bad choices. And those that are trying to do right at some point I have to separate themselves. And they say, well, I, you know, I said, I'm sorry. Trust ought to come back. Wouldn't it be good if trust came back? As soon as you said, I'm sorry, trust back. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? How many said, it didn't work with my dad? Try that with your boss. It just doesn't work in life. Now, let me say two more things, we're done. Forgiveness never releases the offender from the consequences. We understand that but here's part of the equation. It doesn't always provide a reconciliation either. Now we know it's a parable. Did the older brother ever get right? Well, it depends which Pharisee he was talking about because maybe some of these Pharisees got right and some of them didn't get right. But here's what The offender wants. If I say I'm sorry. And I'm truly repentant. I'm not. This isn't fake repentance. It's true repentance. We should be reconciled. That happens with God. That happens in heaven. It's a beautiful thing. Hopefully it happens in marriage. But everyone sitting here knows. Okay. Let's be honest. Everyone in here knows. There are things that can be done by an offender that would eliminate forever upon the earth the possibility of reconciliation. If your husband clenched his fist and punched you in the mouth, for some, they would never, ever again There might be forgiveness down the road. It's quiet. Okay, we all have to understand, in life, in friendships, there are uncrossable lines. And for each person, that's very different. We don't know if he crossed with his brother an uncrossable line. But this brother, according to this story, was up set. And dad was pleading with him. He said, I am not partying with that dude. Can't do it. Won't do it. And guess what? Here's what you got to understand. Before you sin, you have a motivating factor, Sammy, that sets. If I do this for some, this is an uncrossable line. And that person will never party with me again. Mm. They'll never smile at me again. They'll never trust me again. They'll never work with me again. And it's their prerogative. And I'm not going to live angry because they refuse to forgive. I'm going to say life lesson. I made a horrible choice to put them in a horrible spot. That's good. And I thank God He's forgiven me. Yep. And I'm truly repentant. And I thank God He's looked down. Here's, here's what we do in Christianity. Be careful. We find forgiveness with who? God. We hope for forgiveness with man. But you can't determine anyone's level of earthly forgiveness. But you can know no man on this planet will ever forgive like God the Father. Here's what this is about this morning. Number one, if you're not saved, come experience God's forgiveness. Race toward the, Why would you wait? Any Anybody here would say it, it's a good thing to wait on God's forgiveness. Just, you know, put that off forgives everything, forgets everything, you know, why bother? I mean, you ought to race. If, you, you, if you've never been, say, born again, trust Christ you're your Savior. Bad, bad mistake. I would correct that mistake this morning. Come put your faith in trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But young people, I'm trying to motivate you in the future to get you to understand you better avoid that kind of foolish living because you can repent and come back. But you can't ever determine people's level of forgiveness. And that and the consequence creates tough living for the rest of your life.